Welcome to Next, brought to you by Content Labs. I'm Zelina Khan, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you season four with a brand new set of guests to educate, motivate, and hopefully inspire you in and out of the workplace. Over the last few years, the healthcare industry has faced unprecedented challenges from the COVID-19 pandemic. From accelerating the pace of drug development to rapidly adapting new patient needs and shifting regulatory landscapes, pharma has had to step up its game like never before. Today, we have Katie Lewis, Vice President of Life Sciences, and Karen Gordon, Vice President of Technology Solutions for Life Sciences, to discuss how the industry has risen to the challenges of the last few years, emerging stronger and more agile than ever before. Um, welcome, Katie and Karen. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hi, hi. Oh, thank you for joining us. I'm glad we were able to all get together. Um, I know you both have really busy schedules. Um, why don't we start with uh, intros from each of you? Katie, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Katie Lewis. I'm a vice president of life sciences with TransPerfect. I've been with the company now for 15 years. And my journey at TransPerfect, well, my journey within life sciences really started in university. I, I started out pre-med and really loved it, but also was passionate about language and culture. And so I ended up taking a segue and um, majoring in languages. And so I've had the amazing opportunity of working alongside life sciences organizations for, for over a decade. And just the changes, especially in the past like five to 10 years, have just been incredible. And so excited to talk about them today. Thank you. Thank you. Karen? Yes, great to be here today. And I've uh, been working with healthcare and life sciences companies for the better part of 25 years and have um, really enjoyed not only the global and multilingual aspect, but more so in the last 10 to 15 years, really looking at different technology tools and solutions um, to really help uh, particularly life sciences clients drive efficiencies. And I think, uh, again, with with COVID and now coming out of the pandemic, really being able to work with uh, our clients and drive different solutions related to not only digital transformation, but customer experience um, and really uh, explore and implement these different solutions is really exciting. Perfect lead in to my first question. Um, Karin, maybe you can start with this. Um, what are the big changes we're seeing right now in the life sciences industry? So th there are multiple, and I think honing in on a couple that are really related to um, the global aspect, you know, the, the multilingual challenges. I think one of the first is that um, pharma companies are still really stuck in a very document-oriented um, content life cycle. Um, a lot of that is driven by the health authorities, um, but they're also looking at different ways that they can drive efficiency and automation. So a lot of this is coming out in digital transformation initiatives um, where they're not only looking at different aspects um, of their content and how they can 
manage either the actual content or the translation of the content more efficiently. But um, then in R&D, how they can really use different aspects of AI to really accelerate the identification and bringing new um, new products, new drugs um, to market faster, to rethinking the way they engage with their customer base from a sales and marketing, that whole commercial aspect, and looking at um, customer experience in omni-channel. So being able to provide content in different formats and a way that is relevant and more timely for their different um, uh, their different clients, whether it's healthcare providers, patients, um, and the like. Yeah. Um, do you 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 presented at GL Next and you were talking about Viva, correct? Yes, and that's something you know. Viva and their different applications um, have really. Uh, been transformative and many of the large global pharma have one or more um, initiatives where they are incorporating Viva Vault, Viva Vault products. And so we've developed a very close relationship, a very close partnership with Viva and have a, um, a direct integration with Viva Vault. So that really enables um, a very tight transfer of content to facilitate the translation process and really minimize the manual effort into maintaining metadata um, and adding that for the for the different language versions of content. So super exciting. It's something that is a really important initiative to us internally and you know work very closely with them because it's an important initiative for so many of our clients. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a, a game changer when it comes to their content. So, Katie, what have you seen recently with client requests and what are you noticing with how it's changed? So when I started with the company 15 years ago, when you looked at pharma companies, I can't think of one that had like an innovation team or an innovation lab. And I would say in the past five or so years, there's just been a huge increase in really building out those structures within life sciences organization. And I, I think there's a couple reasons for that. First, we've just had such an exponential growth in the power of AI and technology uh, in the life sciences space. And also the past, you know, you know, five or so years, there's been a huge change in different regulations too. We had the, if you're in the medical device space, the medical device regulation, more recently, the European clinical trial regulation, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago, the FDA launched a new guidance on diversity in clinical studies. And so when you pair all of the changes from an AI and technology perspective to all the changes from a regulation perspective, paired with what Karin was just talking about with the increase in, you know, customer-centric approach, there was really a need for significant change. And so that's why I think that we're seeing such an increase in these, in these innovation teams. You know, many large farmers are focused on how to bring startup companies internally and give them the infrastructure and support to, to look at new compounds and really start and accelerate those. Um, we're seeing more focus on bringing outside collaborators into organizations like nonprofits or academic researchers. And that's, that's really important to, you know, get some diversity in the different perspectives. 
And then lastly, you know, probably what we're seeing the most of is a lot of like digital incubation hubs. So looking at what different platforms can help unburden the people on the ground at pharma companies and help them accelerate the speed with which they're they're launching their products. And and how do you think um, or how what have you noticed about client requests like and how it's changed with all of that? So much. Um, when I look back at my days, um, you know, when I had just started out here, everything that we did for pharma companies was document based. And you know, like I, to put it in perspective, like I sat right next to a fax machine and like all day companies would fax in like informed consent forms and say, hey, can we get this translated? And this isn't like, you know, decades and decades ago. This is like 2008. So it kind of shows you just kind of where they were and, and essentially how far they've come. But it has, um, it has really changed in the past, you know, uh, you know, in the past five to 10 years. And companies are really looking more communication from the patient perspective. And so I've been working on, you know, a number of programs with clients where they don't want to send documents to patients in clinical studies anymore. They're not engaging. It might take them a really long time to read through. And in a lot of cases, you know, if you're not a medical expert, you really can't understand it. And so how are we empowering the patients with this type of information. So I've worked on a number of projects where companies are looking more at like leveraging video for, you know, frequently asked questions or, you know, questions about their products, um, leveraging video for the consent process. Um, we have been launching a couple of other really cool uh, channels and mediums like podcasts so customers can tune in and, and learn more about clinical studies and, and what's happening in the space. So I think um, kind of making that transformation from like, you know, document based to what are those new channels that patients are tuning into and are going to be able to get the correct information in an engaging way has been a really exciting thing to be a part of. And just building on that, too, I think we've seen um, just an openness to explore areas that, you know, previously they just were, I think, a bit more reluctant. And one of those areas is like around regulatory and regulatory labeling and looking at how they can really leverage machine translation, but in a programmatic way. So knowing that quality is important but approaching it so that you're using trained engines for content where you just need, you know, say for um, internal communications or like communications with the health authorities where the accurate or perfect quality isn't imperative. Um, and then looking at different levels of post-editing but still leveraging that machine translation and then setting it up as a program so it continually learns and gets better and gets smarter. And so we're actually um, working with a couple of clients and the results that we have been um, have been validating and sharing have been really promising, both from a cost and time savings, but then also the added benefit of being able to use really um, valuable and, and, and skilled resources in more meaningful ways versus, you know, more mundane or perfunctory tasks. So really exciting. 
let's shift into um, how we solve these requests, right? I think it's great to talk about diversity when it comes to um, vendors and um, just patients and things like that. So I'd love to jump into uh, how we're solving some of these requests and how we're considering the larger uh, group when, um, you know, when talking about this industry. So who wants to take it? I can start off with initial thoughts. Um, sure. Well, diversity and inclusion in clinical studies has become a really important focus for the industry. And this has been happening for years, but even more recently, there's new FDA guidance around making sure that companies are representing, you know, racial and ethnic populations across the U.S. So that's super important. And, you know, we see, you know, so many, just so much data around why it's important. So 30 years from now, it's estimated that 30% of the UK is going to be made up of minority groups. Um, there was also a recent study in 2020 where Black Americans in clinical studies were reported as being 4.5%. And Black Americans account for over 13% of the U.S. population and over 20% of yearly cancer cases. So clearly, there's a disparity there and there's a lot of work to be done. And so we've been seeing a big shift in how life sciences companies are approaching this. I think first, they're really designing studies with patients in mind. You know, especially with the pandemic, decentralized clinical trials became a huge focus. So giving patients more flexibility to you know, to be part of a study from home. Um, also, we're seeing a lot more companies looking at how do we choose sites for studies that are going to best support diverse populations? So looking at areas that are like very rural where there haven't historically been sites set up. And when we look at like the content perspective, that kind of translates funny enough, into a couple things. Um, the first is companies are looking a lot at language. So if you want to best support patients, it's really important that you can communicate in their language. And especially with more studies happening in emerging markets, we're seeing a variety of new requests for languages and increases in, in, in different languages so that they can you know, best communicate with their customer. Um, we're seeing companies really looking at the consent process and making it much easier, making the, you know, consents more brief, um, making it more engaging. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, looking at video content. Um, we're also looking at companies providing information for patients in a variety of different formats. So really deploying omni-channel approaches and different digital types of opportunities like wearables, et cetera. And then lastly, um, you know, there is new um, regulatory requirements to publish a lot of study information. So um, clinical study reports and clinical lay summaries and having access and that transparency to your clinical studies is really meant to, um, you know, drive awareness of these studies and get people more comfortable with the structure and the way that it's been designed. And so, you know, we've been doing a lot of work helping to author this content and translate this content for our clients. And this is where you're also seeing some videos, right, Katie? You know, because from an accessibility perspective, and a lot of people are just more from a visual perspective, it's easier to, it's A, more engaging and easier to understand. So when you're talking about compliance, when someone, when a patient's participating in a clinical trial, 
um, I think they're seeing some nice results um, with videos over just a paper format or a document format. 100%. Karn, we know AI has enormous benefit across every field uh, in, in, in the world. I mean, especially within TransPerfect. Um, you know, everyone loves talking about ChatGPT right now. Um, can we talk a little, or can you talk a little bit about how AI is playing a role in the pharmaceutical industry? Areas too. Um, and as I was just speaking with someone last week in, in regulatory too, it's something that pharma's thinking a, a lot about and talking a lot about too. And I think in some respects, it's, you know, when we use this, we want to make sure that we're confident, confident in the results and confident, like can, can almost trust, um, trust the results. And we had a, a, an interesting chat about um, confidence, but also setting up a process in a way that leverages AI and technology. But there also is then that overlay of human, human oversight, right? So you're not using it full stop to replace human. You're just figuring out how can you use it in a way um, that is really efficient. So you're not relying on people to do the end to end. And I think we see that all the time with machine translation and smarter approaches where instead of using a, a human linguist to do the whole thing, where can we get smart about using MT for different levels, but still having that human oversight, whatever degree that is, to get the right quality? That can be with um, tagging images and um, understanding where that confidence level is, but then using it in a way that narrows down to the most important um, data or information that the human needs to assess and needs to apply logic to. You know, there's a, a lot out there about um, use pharma using AI for R&D, you know, really narrowing down and using it to get to specific data sets or leverage data sets in different areas of research um, to reduce time and reduce effort. And that's just, I think, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, but I think that's going to have an enormous impact in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, similarly with GPT, as you mentioned, I mean, this is going to be huge. Um, but I think it's also figuring out the right use cases and the right ways to use it. So in order to get really strong results, um, uh, we've got to get really good at asking the right prompts and how do we leverage it? So I think for people, it's not, it's not the getting nervous. I mean, sure, this is going to change, but this is how things evolve. Like this is, I mean, if you look at um, history, this happens over and over again, but it's figuring out where we can add the most value, but also use GPT or different areas of AI in a way that makes the most difference. And for pharma and healthcare companies, that's about patients. What are some examples of omni-channel marketing in life sciences? Because when I think of omni-channel marketing, I don't necessarily think of life sciences. So can you run through an example of what that would be? 
one of the prominent examples of, of omni-channel and for a lot of pharma is that historically they would have a sales team that would be responsible for detailing. So they would then go and visit um, healthcare providers or physicians in, in person and um, had different ways of providing content that would be largely educational in nature, either about the disease state or their specific drug. And with the goal of um, encouraging um, that healthcare provider to write more scripts, which then leads to more revenue and, and you know, more prominence, and also to get on different formulary, formularies within hospitals and health systems. But that went sideways during the pandemic because no one was meeting with people in person. So I think just as the pandemic was happening, there was also kind of this um, emergence of technology and thinking of how um, their healthcare providers want to engage with them. And it, I think it really prompted pharma to rethink um, so a healthcare provider might go to our website or might go um, to a landing page to access, ask a question or access certain information. Depending on what they are looking for, that could then trigger an outreach or an email with additional information. So it's making it very specific to what that healthcare provider or patient is showing interest in and can then dictate the way that journey looks and it can be in different formats. So it could be um, um, uh, in document form via a web page, or it could be um, a video or a podcast. It could be, you know, it could be any number of things that could be really engaging or more engaging um, than the way it's done historically. So that's where, like, when omni-channel, it, I think of, like, different format and different timing of delivery based on what that client, be it a healthcare provider or a patient, is interested in. And that, I think, has really... Um, challenged pharma to rethink not only the way they do sales, but then also marketing, because a lot of times from a marketing perspective, it's um, you've got a brand, but then you've got different teams associated with types of content, whether it's training or the, um, the web team and creating similar content, but in different formats. And now if you think that shift, it's all becoming more interconnected. Yeah, um, I think the omni-channel focus is super, super exciting. And we're seeing companies just approaching so many different channels now. They're launching web content, mobile applications, social media. And so it's a really exciting time. And it's, it's, it's great to see that the customer is a, a really key focus of that. But as companies are trying to deploy these omni-channel strategies, a big question comes like, a, how do you automate this? If you have to now communicate with your customers in like five plus channels, how do you do that in a way that is efficient internally? 
And second is like, how do you recycle content? So how do you make sure that what you put on an application is going on your website and it's in a trifold and it's in social media? And so, um, you know, we've been focusing on a a couple different areas here. And and the first is automating that process for companies. And so um, we but we have technology which is able to integrate with a variety of backend systems, whether it's your document management system or your electronic trial master file or your web content management system. And our goal is, is that we can automate the way that the content lives in those systems and be able to share that across all the different platforms. Um, another key focus for us is helping clients to, to better recycle their content. And we're doing that in a few ways. First is um, we author, we have a medical writing team, and we author content in a way that makes it easy to recycle across, you know, a variety of different channels. And so, um, and in in addition to that, another key focus is like, once you author this content, how are you going to go about getting visibility for it? So um, we've been working very closely with companies on their global SEO and SEM strategies. And then lastly, and a really key component is um, looking at things like component-based content management. So we've seen recently that a lot of companies are exploring how to um, create structured or component content management. So it's basically little pieces that you can recycle across a variety of channels. And so we have our own technology solutions that do that. We're also able to integrate with other solutions on the market. And really the goal is to, you know, take all these different pieces of the puzzle and be able to easily put it into a piece that can be deployed across any channels. But in short, I think it's, you know, just the focus on the customer first, what's best for the customer, how we can get information to them in a way that's easy to understand and um, consume is a really important step forward for the pharma space. When I think about industries innovating, industry industries moving quickly, um, and just trying to evolve and and right. listen to the customer, I just don't necessarily think of life science. Uh, no, and it's never going to be. And, it's never going to be the. Um, it's not fast follower. The um, innovative, you know, like the leading. It never mm-hmm. will be. But what we're seeing yeah. is an interest in healthcare and life sciences, and also really wanting to learn from other industries. And that's a shift. I, I didn't see that mm-hmm. as much five years ago. So I think we're only going to see, um, you know, and that pace accelerate as, you know, more, um, more technologies or more innovation is adopted and proven. And looking for different ways to um, to impact that. Where do you think the industry is heading in the next five years? So I think it's heading in a couple different places. I think after COVID, I think some of the um, challenges within the health authorities and how they manage the data and how they um, communicate with one another or sh- the lack of ability to share data amongst health authorities. I think all of these things are being, I'm just going to say actively explored right now that can be game changers. And once that changes, um, and certainly if data standards can be agreed upon across different countries or health authorities, 
this can have a massive impact and can really open up what pharma and biotech are able to then do within their own organization. So it's interesting. It's very interconnected. Um, and you don't see that with other industries. Um, but I think that we're at a really incredible point in time and have uh, the ability to see some incredible change happen in the next five years. Okay. I just asked Karen, how can pharma reinvent its business? Why don't you tell me, how do you think they can make a bigger impact moving forward? Well, the great news is pharma is already having such an incredible impact on patients and on their customers globally. And, you know, as we've talked about over, you know, the, you know, the past couple minutes, it has evolved so quickly too. So we have made excellent progress, but there's still a lot to be done. And I think that there's a couple ways that pharmas can really uh, connect with their patients and better support them. I think first is um, you know, working closely to understand what patients and customers want. I know we've been doing a lot in the area of like patient advocacy review. So before pharma even like publishes any content, we go to patient populations and we say, give us your feedback on this. Is this poignant? Does this engage you? Is this something that you can easily understand? So getting that feedback from patients is number one. Number two, look at different channels for um, engaging your customers. So, you know, it's, it's no surprise that the amount of videos that exist in the world now is on a dramatic increase. And so, you know, similarly, you know, patients are really um, harnessing and, you know, looking for opportunities to consume that too when it comes to their health. So, you know, farmers should look at, you know, how do we create and leverage more video content? How do we look at things like podcasts like we're on right now? You know, patients are listening to that. It's a really great channel and medium for, for getting information. How do we do that to better communicate? And then lastly, um, you know, a, a cool thing that we're seeing is, you know, pharma companies really tapping into what's available on social media to understand trends, understand what their customers are saying, what are they looking for? What are their challenges? And then using this information and this data in order to make decisions about how they best communicate with their customers. Um, and I think, you know, so really at the heart of this all is how, you know, if, if, if pharmas want to have a bigger impact, it's, it's really listening to the customer. Katie, Karen, thank you so much for your time. But before I let you yeah. go, we want to do one more thing. It's kind of fun but oh, a little word association are you game of, of course i'm game i'm game <laughs> all right first word is life side change health pharma care life-saving drugs clinical trials patients diversity patients Customer experience. Patients as in a patient. Omni. Omnifocus. Multiple. Last one, AI. The future. future. Oh, that's two words. Oops. Great, great, great. So if people want to learn a little bit about you, some of the events going on, where can they learn more? Um, if people want to learn more, quite simply, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to have new connections and 
uh, learn more about what you're working on and share some of the cool things we're doing around um, clinical content. Um, but also we have a, a series of upcoming summits happening across the globe. They'll be in San Francisco, Boston, London, and Philadelphia. It's called the C3 Summit. And we bring together a variety of industry leaders to talk about some of the most pressing um, areas in the life sciences and pharmaceutical space. So things like diversity and inclusion, um, decentralized clinical trials, AI and automation. And so we'd love to have you and your teams there. To get more information on the C3 Summit, just go to the C3 Summit. That's T-H-E C, the number three, and then summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot com. And on that site, we have all of our events happening across the globe, as well as the agendas and the opportunity to register. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Reach out um, uh, via direct message and would love to connect. And you're Karen with two A's. That's correct. The technological change in the healthcare industry over the last five to 10 years has brought new opportunities and new challenges. Whether it's improving clinical trial design or implementing patient-centric approaches to drug development, it's no doubt that our life sciences division is committed to making a difference in the lives of patients. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to connect with Katie or Karen, you can check out the links in our show notes. We hope you found this episode informative and insightful. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you for listening. Make sure you hit the like button and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com or visit our website at nextpodcast.transperfect.com. Support for this podcast comes from Transperfect, a family of companies providing language and technology solutions for global business.